We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the people of the Gubby Gubby Nation, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Take A Seat Podcast. This podcast brings awareness to disability sports and supports. We are talking to experts and athletes with a disability from around the world. It's time for the uh, sponsorship read. Let's get into it. Of course, we want a website, uh, some details about their programs and maybe where people can find them on the socials. Yeah, love it. Well, we'll start off with the website. So www.suncoastspinners.com.au is where you can find all of their upcoming information about any events, tournaments, local programs, uh, where to be and what time. Uh, Spot on, Jimmy. Great. Over to you, Cam. Definitely Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We don't know about TikTok. We might have to get them onto TikTok, definitely. They're not a very big social media. Well, we know that they have a link tree which has all of them listed on it. So jump on their link tree and you'll be able to find it from suncoastspinners.com.au. And who are we thanking for the money? Uh, I want to throw a big shout out to Bridie Keane and the rest of the board for supporting us and backing us on this venture. You guys are doing really well at this now. You're getting real pro, to be honest. (laughs) We'll we'll cut this up and it will sound beautiful when we get it to air. Love it. Let's get into it. Cameron, we are back. Now, yeah. I'm not really back back, but we're actually talking together. This is great. This is better. Unfortunately, we couldn't be together. We couldn't even get each other in the studio via some form of connection with Seb, unfortunately. I know. Sucked. I know. And, and you know, this is probably the longest that we haven't spoken to each other in, oh God, since we met, literally. That's what I said. Yeah, I texted this morning. I'm like, I miss your voice. Like, <laughs> so I'm still here in London. Well, I'm back. I managed to get back here in London last night. You're still in Queensland, but we've made it work, which is Sensational. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Our next guest is Anne Usher, formerly known as Anne Dickens, was an avid cyclist and prior to her injury, through a random conversation with a stranger, which we all know, mum never said to talk to a stranger, was invited to come and try Paralympic canoeing. And now, 2016 in Rio, gold medalist. Yeah, Britain's 100th medal at the Games. Was it? Yeah. It so was, yep. Oh, and it's also printed on our next guest's leg. Fun fact for you. Cameron, this conversation with Anne, we talk about Paralympic canoeing. We talk about the Superhero Tri-Series, which is the one and only fully inclusive event in the world, which I was so thankfully lucky enough to attend, but only at their winter session, which was apparently 25% of their capacity. So can you imagine what it would be in summer? Well, can you, can you imagine, imagine what, what it would be in Australian summer? In, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking thongs. Sorry, flip-flops for the international viewers. I'm thinking <laughs> red board shorts, sand caps. What, me in a Alice in Wonderland outfit listening to the whole episode to hear that? Yeah, I, th- I think it, it would be perfect know. over here. It would just be everything that you've spoken about, everything that we've read about. Uh, uh, it would be unbelievable. And Anne is a huge part of that over there. Well, enough about that. Hang around for the whole episode to listen to how I'm at Anne. Super random, super, super random. But Anne, we'd like to welcome you to take a seat with us on the Take Seat Project. Thanks for inviting me. Let's go a 30-second elevator pitch so that everyone listens on the podcast understands who Anne is. And then that might lead us into a little bit better episode as to how you guys met and why it's such a weird story. Love it. So hi, my name is Anne and I have three different roles to play in in this world. And the first one is the physio, which I absolutely love. And I get to challenge people's beliefs on what they think they can achieve 
on a day-to-day basis, which is great. But then I became an athlete, an elite athlete, and then went on to win a gold medal at the Rio Paralympics, which was an amazing event. But I think that success is transient and the things that you take with you are your learning. And so I spend a lot of time sharing that learning with companies and organisations. And all the life lessons I learned the hard way, I give it to them in talks and inspirational workshops to help them shortcut and achieve success in however, whichever world that they work in. And then I work as um, an ambassador for disability sports, in particular with the Superhero Try, in trying to encourage more people to become involved in disability sport, both able-bodied and non-disabled people, because I feel that the more people who see people with disabilities, the more normal it's going to become. And then hopefully it won't be an issue in our world anymore. We are going to touch on the superhero tries a bit later. Could you please describe, if you're comfortable, your disability to the listeners? Absolutely. I'm absolutely on board with asking questions and then the person answering will answer it in whichever way they have capacity to answer it. And that's the springboard to where the conversation goes. If they they shut down straight away, you know that's a no-no. Whereas if they talk, then yeah, crack on, ask all you want. So with me, I um, had a really (laughs) dramatic injury. I bent forwards and put my shoe on, which most people are quite disappointed to hear. They expect a Paralympian to have a big accident, like being blown up or run over or something. But no, all I did was I bent forward and put on a shoe and I felt my back go bang. And then as a physio, I was like, oh God, this isn't right. I'm getting numbness where I shouldn't be getting numbness. My legs are feeling odd. And then I realised I was developing a really rare complication of a disc herniation, which is um, called Requina syndrome, which is a, a, one of the very few medical emergencies with, with, um, with back pain. And so anyway, luckily for me, I managed to get surgery pretty much straight away, which meant that I um, you know, saved myself from all kinds of other awful disabilities. But I was left with a permanently weak leg, which sounds really small. But when your life has been around sport and about competing as a cyclist and suddenly your leg doesn't know where it's going, that was a massive, it, it was just it threw my compass straight off its, off its orbit and yeah, it changed my life. Cam, um, there's a few. There were a few bigger <laughs> words in there that yes. probably resonate with you less would, than myself. Yeah, I was actually going to say uh, Anne would say, describe it really well, but quarter equina would probably be the big one that everyone wouldn't understand. I was going to say it in my ways for an Aussie slang as well, but uh, Anne would be able to say it just as well. Quarter equina is very low in the back. It basically is the bottom of the spine, which then looks like a horse's tail and spreads out. So you're looking at the very, very bottom of the spine and that's had a bit of an injury, which has caused nerve damage down the leg. But Anne will explain that Perfect. much better than I would. <laughs> yeah, basically my spinal cord got squashed, you know, and the quarter equina is really delicate and once it's damaged, it very rarely returns. So you end up being doubly incontinent and numbness below the waist, basically. So it's, it's something, if you can avoid it, you really want to avoid it. It's also the spot generally that uh, doctors are trying to target for an epidural when it when they're going for pregnancy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it makes it go numb, so it's the perfect um, procedure to stop childbirth being painful. Hey, I never thought we we're going to be talking about childbirth on yeah. podcast. <laughs> so you said you got lucky to stay away from a few other surgeries and then further complicated disabilities down track. Well, what what are the possibilities if this doesn't if you didn't get it sorted the way you did? Well, I could have been left with double incontinence and, and numbness and there's no real way forward. There's, I mean, You can improve slightly, but yeah, it's one of those things that doesn't have a great outcome. The, the, the best outcome is to have surgery 
straight away as soon as possible, which is why it's a medical emergency. You know, if, if anyone out there listening has got any numbness where they'll be sitting on a saddle or ability to pee or not to pee, then you know, go and check it out professionally. Now, speaking of sitting on a saddle, <laughs> I sat on a saddle, <laughs> which was your saddle actually on your bike. <laughs> And went riding with your with your partner Simon. Now, what I didn't know was that he's training to do six hundred kilometres of cycling over three days. It's basically it's um, the coast to coast to coast across England. So you go from the east coast to the west. <laughs> sorry, the west west sorry. coast to the east coast to the west coast. <laughs> yeah, but it's not over three days. It's basically as quick as you can do it. So the guys who win it, they basically don't sleep. They just cycle for thirty six hours nonstop. And it's over the the Pennines. It's it's, it's really it's off road. So you're dealing with interesting tracks and trails and navigating across gates and darkness and hunger and all those things that happen on endurance cycling. So, yes, well done, James. You stood yeah. with him. <laughs> I was going to say, you're lucky to even ride from your house, which is literally you can throw a stone from your house to the university, and yet you're going to draw a ride from coast to coast to coast in England. And then I also laugh because it, you can do coast to coast to coast in England on a bike, and yet we wouldn't even get out of Queensland, our home state here in Australia. Oh, that's it. I've been showing everyone that. Everyone's like, oh, so like, whereabouts Queensland are you? I'm like, oh, I'm like an hour north of Brisbane. And they're like, oh, like, well, Brisbane, so that's Queensland. You, yeah, yeah, Queensland. And they're like, oh, so where's Sydney? I'm like, well, Sydney's like 12 hours drive. And then they're like, oh, okay, so like you're pretty far up north. I'm like, no, I'm like right on the border, like literally on the New South Wales-Queensland border. And like, oh, well, so how far to the north? I'm like, well, it's like 31 hours driving to get to the top. And they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, Mm-hmm. Yep. Here, here's, here's the map. That's how big it is. But no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, by all means, training with. I mean, he was training for it, but I wasn't training. I was just trying to keep up with him. I made him promise um, to be nice to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It was sensational. But enough about Simon. Yourself. You. By any means, do you believe that this disability has stopped you from doing what you've wanted to do in life? I guess is a good question. Well, initially. When you're a sports person, you don't see barriers as being a reason not to. You see a barrier as being a challenge or something to overcome. And I think that's what differentiates sports people from people who perhaps are happier doing something different. And so when I first had my injury, I was like, well, this is no problem. I'm a physio. I can get over this. I know how to rehab myself. I do this every day for everybody. And yet, no no matter how hard I tried, I could not get my leg to do what it wanted to do. And and to put it in context, I used to compete at 24-hour mountain bike events. So you get on your bike at 12 midday and you cycle through the night until 12 the next day. And I couldn't even ride up the road without falling off. So it broke my heart. And it was not just the cycling that broke me. It was the fact that it was my purpose. It was my it was my social sector. It was what I did in my holidays. It's what I did on the weekends. It was my group of friends. It was what I did with my husband. It was it's everything. So my world literally overnight became impossible. And in the beginning, I... I I took it really hard. I, 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 all I could think about was what I couldn't do because I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And it was only after about a year of being really miserable and falling into quite a dark place, actually, that Simon, my husband, he said, look, you know, you're looking at the whole thing completely wrong. You're focusing all your attention on one thing in your life that you can't do and letting that define the rest of your world. So how about you change what you're looking at? How about you think about your ability, what you can do? rather than focusing on your disability. And 
change your ideas, change what your focus is and see what happens. So that's what I did. I was going to say, and is that also why you changed from cycling to canoeing? Did that have an influence on it? Well, well I, I didn't, is, a, is the honest answer. <laughs> I actually never been in a boat ever in my life before. I never wanted to go in a boat. I hated boats. I get seasick. So that wasn't what I set out to do. What I set out to do was just do life differently. And it's quite incredible when you decide to do things differently or say yes to things you'd never have said yes to. What doors can open and what opportunities just kind of arise? And I kind of realised that I've been really miserable and I had decided I couldn't do sport, but the reality was I could do sport, just not in the way I'd originally thought. And I realised as a physio that I could still be part of the cycling team, but giving my skills as a physio rather than as as an athlete. So that's what I did. I started volunteering at various different cycling events. And then, oh gosh, one thing led to another and I landed the best job in the world, which was physio at the Velodrome at London 2012 Olympics, which was amazing. It was just, my job was to watch every single race. It was phenomenal, the atmosphere and oh, but feeling the athlete's enthusiasm and the dedication and the coaches and oh, I was, I was in heaven and I never wanted it to end. But it was actually outside the Olympic Park that everything changed it was you know how your mum told you never to talk to strangers in coffee shops yeah <laughs> well I broke those rules James, I was... is, James is definitely breaking those that's, rules and... that's, my, that's my rule number one that is, that is the opposite of my rule number one it is, is talk, talk to anyone possible that looks at you oddly yeah I know and that's where the magic happens because those are the opportunities that sometimes lead somewhere really incredible so so this guy he happened to be a GB para canoe coach and it's quite funny because he became really excited about the one thing about me I really really hate I mean, he was like, wow, you have a weak leg. That's amazing. You know, we're trying to get a team together for Rio 2016. Paracanoe is a brand new sport. And we're, you know, we're talent searching for athletes who might possibly be able to go to Rio. And I, I still think the first thing I heard was free holiday to Rio. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. And I forgot to tell him that I'd never been in a boat. You know, he was saying, we've got these uh, GB trials in October. It was now September. And he said, you know, come along in October and we'll see what you can do. I was like, mm, yeah, not a lot at the moment because I can't paddle a boat. <laughs> so I thought, well, if you can't do something, that doesn't mean to say you can never do something. It means that you just can't do it yet. So I thought, well, I need to learn. I need to learn how to paddle a boat. And so I phoned up my local kayak club and said, oh, I really want to learn to paddle a boat in eight weeks and get on the GB team. (laughs) How about it? And it was, my world is so full of coincidences. I don't quite know how, but, um, and they said, oh, you never guess what, we've just had a boat that's been donated by a local charity that's a specific para canoe boat. Would you be able to come down and be the athlete for the press conference that we're running? And then we'll sort you out with the coach. And I was like, hell yeah, absolutely. I can pretend to be an athlete. So there was me. (laughs) First time I ever held a paddle was on a press conference pretending to be an athlete that was definitely going to Rio. And yeah, (laughs) I felt like a fraud, but it was actually quite powerful because there was me pretending to be something I wanted to be. And I was in that space. I I was that athlete. So I started off with this hugely inflated ego about the fact that I could already paddle and I was already in Rio. But yeah, I had eight weeks to learn. And don't forget, I've come from an endurance legs sport. So 24-hour legs. And suddenly, 
I'm going to have to do. It's a, it's a 200 meter sprint with your arms. Now, mm. most of the cyclists I know have got little twiglets for arms, and I was no exception. So it was a bit of a shock to the system to suddenly go, oh gosh, I need to use my arms now. But oh no, the first time I sat in a boat was just the most incredible feeling because I wasn't limited by anything. And I, I suddenly realized how stupid I'd been about limiting my sporting horizons to cycling. It was, there are so many different sports out there that if the right equipment or the right um, environment is there, you can do anything you want. And the, the freedom I felt in that boat was just amazing. I loved it, even though I was rubbish and I wobbled and I, you know, <laughs> wasn't spectacular in any way whatsoever. I suddenly realized that, yes, I, I could do sport again, which was just fabulous. I loved the comment you made about the, the power of canoeing coach or rowing coach looking at you and saying, oh, it's great. You've got it. You've got this disability. You'll, you'll fit perfect. And I think, Cam, you and I can resonate to this. Like if we're in the gym or whatnot and there's a new client or, or whatever it is, or we meet, we meet someone new with a disability and, and, you know, they've probably never thought of themselves as an athlete whatsoever. And where the two of us just look at each other and we're like, he's going to play rugby. She could play basketball. Yeah. She could play tennis. Yeah, what definitely. an absolute star they could be. Like, mm. like these people are thinking that they have such restrictions put on their life but there are still so many opportunities out there yeah and you kind of wonder where those restrictions come from is it that person dolloping them on themselves or is it the environment they they stay in often our self-belief is other people's projection on their fears or their kind of knowing that we can't do something they tell you they can't you can't do something And, and how do they know what we can do well, I mean, you get that in the hospital, right? And um, I'm sure Cameron sees client after client that, and, and yourself in, in some instances where they'll come in and, and the doctor's told them or their family members that, you know, like they're going to be a vegetable for the rest of life, you know, prepare for them to not have a life. Like this is it. This There's nothing we can do or they're not going to walk again or they're not going to be able to play sport again. Mm. Yeah, I just... It's a hard one because on one hand, you have to be honest and informed consent and, and tell people where you think the majority of people lie. But this is looking at a population and yet on in every population, there are outliers where miraculous things happen, either positively or negatively. So I'm always of the opinion that if you can look at where the average is, but then keep your mind really open to the those endpoints of that bell curve... That's that's when you can really push people into the incredible places. And if you believe it, then they start believing it too. And you also don't want to give anyone false hope or fool's gold where, you know, you're trying to pump up their tires too much. So they're like, oh, no, yeah, I can really do that. You're not going to go in and, and tell someone with a spinal cord injury that isn't moving their toes or anything. Oh, yeah, you're going to walk again one day and, and you're going to run a marathon. That's a goal. They may be able to do that, but not necessarily shooting down their, their goal, but it, it's also doing it in a way that, okay, we've got to be able to move your toe first. We've got to be able to get some feeling in your leg. We've got to do this and do it in a nice way that they understand that, yeah, yeah you're not you're not shooting their goals down, but you're actually trying to yeah, do it in a honest. realistic fashion. Yeah, but also, you know, yes, you can whittle it down to can they wiggle their toe or not, but it's also about function. Will they be able to do certain things? And yes, the answer is we'll just have to be creative and find out how. You know, you may think you can't swim, but hang on a minute, let's see if there's any other way that we can change the environment to enable you to swim. So it doesn't not that it doesn't matter that they can't wiggle their toe, but sometimes we get so fixed on what the body does that we forget there's a bigger picture. Perfectly summed up. I want to get to the hard cards, but <laughs> before, we, before we get there, I just like when I was talking with Simon when we were on the ride and, and I was asking what he does, what you do, 
and he shared a bit about the superior tri series and he was and he the way he explained it was essentially it doesn't matter how you do it you could be wearing pink floaties and you could just float down the river and that would be the swim it's just anyone and everyone can do it it doesn't matter what you do the contraption is totally up to you which is so perfect because we showed up and the you ran into sophia and you were telling me that she's someone that just never says no there's always a way to do it and and she'll find a way to do it and she came up to you and she said i had to say no to someone i felt terrible i felt like i'd misled you (laughs) (laughs) she had to say no to letting someone use a horse and do the track which to do the whole thing. So to when, take when, when you when you say horse, you mean like an actual physical a, animal a, a horse, real, or do you mean horse. a floaty horse, or yeah. a... no, no, like yeah, proper an yeah. equine horse. <laughs> yeah, she had to say no, and but not not straight away. Oh, that's it. She didn't even. It wasn't a dead set no. No, it was a, she went to check. So the place where the superhero try is is it's in a very posh public school called Eton College, which is one of the top public schools in the UK. And there are very strict rules and regs about what can and can't go on in this particular lake. And <laughs> the thought of a horse being allowed to, because he wanted to do the whole triathlon on the horse. So the run, the swim, so go swimming with the horse in the lake and then, you know, carry on. <laughs> and so she actually rang up Eton College to say, would you let me put a horse in your lake? And of course it was like a spitting feathers and no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yes. Anyway, other than horse. Yeah. You could do the superhero try series. Yeah, whatever your imagination says, that is that is exactly how you can do a superhero try. Well, when we bring it back to Australia, <laughs> you're going to have to go into that cupboard and we're going to have to bring Anne and Sophia and everyone over to Australia to show us how to run this thing because uh, James has been talking about bringing it over to Australia ever since he met everyone and, and we're, we're very keen to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, so I was speaking to, Anne, uh, to, sorry, to Sophia Anne and Adam after and, uh, yeah, I, I really, really expressed to Sophia that I if, if there's anything we could do to help bring it over to Australia, reach out and we will, if we, if we can't do it ourselves, we'll, we'll find someone that, that can um, or put you in touch with someone. So I'd love to see an Australian take on Anything Goes. I feel like, oh, Ken, don't, what do you think? What would we see? tempt us. That'd be oh, could we, we do? Would some ba- oh. we've, we got the world record for the biggest amount of thong floaties in uh, on Australia Day floating around the beach. Like, and people wear, what is it, the dad board, the worst ugliest yeah. board in budgie smugglers. Well, you'd have me and Alice, here in Australia that's just outfit. bad. <laughs> there are no words. I have no words. <laughs> when you said Adam, to give context to our listeners, you are talking about Adam Hills that's on the last leg and everything else in our next Sorry. guest, actually, yes. for our episode number number 23. So, Absolutely. Yes, to give some context to everyone who, who Adam was and why Adam would be able to bring it back to Australia as uh, he is very, very renowned here in Australia. The Take a Seat podcast is in your ears thanks to the Suncoast Spinners. The Suncoast Spinners are a wheelchair-based sporting club. They run social inclusion programs, including but not limited to basketball and rugby. If you want to get involved with the Suncoast Spinners programs, you can just rock up at Mergen, Morayfield and Sippy Downs on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays or contact them on Instagram, Facebook or their website www.suncoastspinners.com.au. The Suncoast Spinners programs are for people of all ages and abilities. They're looking for players, officials and volunteers to help with all of their programs. So make sure you check out the Suncoast Spinners on Facebook, Instagram or on their website again, www.suncoastspinners.com.au. And hard cards. I spoke to you about hard cards. I've already given you the brief, haven't I? Yeah, remind me because yeah. that was a long so time ago. So essentially Cam's going to hand pluck out some questions. No, I'm kidding. So we've got a deck, 40-odd cards now. Questions on the back of them. Cam's going to shuffle them and he's going to pick out three. Okay. Randomly, not looking at them. Do not look at them. 
Nope, nope, definitely not. Definitely not. I've got them so that I cannot see them. And do you want to know what they are? What ones I've picked? Just give me information. Absolutely. Yeah, all the information. Yeah, perfect. So I actually have the King of Diamonds, the Seven of Hearts, and the Eight of Spades. Do you want me to do the audio too so that Anne can hear that? Oh, can you? Can you? Can we see how that goes? Yeah, it's the hard cards. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Anne and I are here dancing in the in the studio. It's rather small, but uh, we're, we're trying to dance. We were. We were bobbing our heads at least. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> King what? of Diamonds, is there anything missing from your sport? Yes, there is. Right. Funnily enough, there's a lot missing from my sport. Paracanoeing, as I say, kind of became a Paralympic sport in 2016, and it basically is for one person in a boat, which is really sad because, you know, it's nice to have company. It's quite stressful being on your own in a boat on the start line. And it'd be so cool if they had categories for boats with more people in. So in the kayak, which is when you have a blade with two ends on it, they actually have a K4 and you could have different disabilities in the boat. So you could have a non-sighted person in there or someone, you know, so every disability had a score and then it had to be below, say, 12 in your in your boat. So you could have a more mishmash of people. That would be, be very cool. That would be really wow. cool. Do they have like tandem cycling like that? They do, yeah. But in the, in the cycling, if you have um, someone who's visually impaired, then you have a sighted person at the front. Yeah. I don't believe they do it for lower limb disability but I could be wrong maybe check on that but for for canoeing they actually don't have a classification for any visual impairment any CP or cerebral palsy or any arm impairment which I think is really sad so basically as as a paracanoeist you have to have either a spinal cord injury or something wrong with one of your legs which isn't as inclusive as it maybe could be in the future so that's somewhere that we want to go and then in the other type of canoeing which is a single bladed canoe which is a VAR which is a Polynesian canoe with like an outrigger on the side they actually have a boat for six Mm -hmm. and so you and six or five of your best friends could then race in in a championship which would be so brilliant because it would mean that people with lesser abilities so some of the highest spinal cord injuries who perhaps struggle with stability the boat would be much safer for them and they could actually go out and do go further and explore more places and you know, have more opportunities unless you've got Cam and I in the boat then it's completely unstable <laughs> then I'm not going anywhere <laughs> every year depending on what's well attended or what's popular to watch but yes, there's new sports all the time which aren't being represented. And I think there are some really cool sports like parkour, which you don't need to have a gym, you don't need to have any special equipment. It's just what's around you. And I think it'd be really interesting to see what disability parkour might look like. I don't know, do you have parkour in Australia, free running? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Parkour, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone listening um, just knew that reference then. Yeah. <laughs> I think I missed that one. It's, uh, oh, it's, no, I've got it, it. I've got it. It's yeah. like a meme? Yeah, or yeah. Like yeah. A, yeah. yeah, parkour. Yeah, parkour. Parkour, parkour. That's legitness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's an organisation in the UK that does parkour for elderly people. And it's so cool seeing these octogenarians balancing along park fences and stuff. It's always someone holding oh them, gosh, yeah. but it improves their balance, their confidence. And I just think we put so many limits on, you know, I can see people going, disability park or really? But no, I, there, there are different ways of approaching it. Absolutely. You could definitely have some, some really interesting, really interesting competitions with that. I love that. Yeah. 
Alrighty, I'm going to jump on to question number two, which is the eight of spades. Is there anything you couldn't live without? Oh, so many things. No, that's me being, probably ice cream is the big one. Flavour. Oh, vanilla. Always, always vanilla because it's a standard. You could go anywhere in the world and go, I'll have some vanilla ice cream and you've got that baseline comparison. Whereas if it's a funky flavour, I mean, that might be an amazing flavour, but how do you know it's any better than another Mm. country's version of if they don't do it? So yeah, I'll always plumb for vanilla for the first kind of baseline. And then when you go back for seconds, then you can go funky. (laughs) Oh, um, hope. Hope for... Just hope. Just optimism. I think, you know, if you have a world that doesn't have optimism, then you don't see beyond the horizon, do you? Whereas having hope and optimism and maybe a bit of patience, everything Mm. changes, nothing stays the same. But if you believe it doesn't, then you don't put any effort in, you don't have any kind of, any sparkles and excitement. Do you believe that the the superhero tri-series... And the Paralympics deliver a lot of hope to people that wouldn't necessarily see themselves that there is a hope out there? 100%. I think there are so many people who have been dealt the boundaries that they stay within. And if you didn't see these events going on, the Paralympics and the Superhero Try, you'd never imagine in a million years that you were had the capacity to do some of these different sports or different events. And I mean, the Paralympics is is funny because it's quite, you know, it's elite. So you're looking at the kind of the top end, which in some ways can be not a barrier, but it can make people kind of feel I'm not good enough for that level. Mm-hmm. And some people don't even want to be at that level. Some people just want to have a community and have a place where they belong and have somewhere that they can share experiences and ideas. And that's where something like the superhero try is perfect because it's not about winning. It's not about being the best. It's about being you and the world managing to accommodate you rather than you having to just smash everyone else into the ground and come first, which I don't think is a really nice thing, really. I, I, I'm Funnily enough, I don't actually enjoy racing because I don't like being better than everyone else, but that's another, that's another story. But yeah, I think that the Paralympics has done an incredible job in, in showcasing that disability isn't something to shy away from it's not something that inhibits you it's just it's just a, a difference it's just something that means that some things in life are more challenging but it also shows what incredible people there are out there who can be creative and find different ways of doing things which actually mean that disabilities aren't inhibitory they're actually enabling which is kind of a funny way of looking at a disability because most people think that a disability is disabling, but actually some of the creativity and the problem solving that comes from people with disabilities is incredible. And I'd always say to people when I do talks for companies, it's, have you, you know, have you thought about how incredible people with disabilities are because they've never been able to do it in plan A the way the world expects. So they're always looking for plan B, C, D or E or F. And wouldn't you want someone on your team who has that ability to think outside the box, to not give up when they come across a problem. So, yeah, I think having these outlets for people with disabilities is is kind of the top of the iceberg and it's a good place to start. But that um, ability to see more potential in people with disabilities, that flows far beyond those sporting events. Yeah, I think what the Paralympics does is it, it, it displays everyone's ability. 
not just yeah. Geordie. I think is, is what the best part is. Yeah. And then the superhero tri series that we attended as and, and we were talking on the way down there and, and there and I experienced it's it. It's wonderful. At such a but also it's such like a minimal point because I'm talking with Sophia and she's like, Oh, you've got to come to the summer one. And I'm like, Sophia, I'm I'm not I don't live here. I'm going I'm going back to Australia. I'm not uh, and no one says no to Sophia. Well that, that's it, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm thinking like I've got to and so I'm like I'm trying to make excuses. Like I'm sure Adam will FaceTime me. I'm sure Anne can FaceTime. I'm like, I, I, I want to see it because she was telling me it's so much bigger in the it's summer. It's huge, huge, yeah. But what it does was, as we were speaking about it, was it creates that community opportunity to talk with families with similar experiences hmm. or might not be the same disability, but it's it's family members that are perhaps think that they're alone and don't have anyone to talk to and share their experiences about, hmm. either with their, their own disability or raising a child with a disability or a family member with a disability. Yeah, I mean, I remember listening to one chat on the first events I went to and it was incredible. He He... Just to set the picture, it's um, it's a, a fully inclusive triathlon where there are no rules. So it doesn't matter if you can't swim, you can have someone else do the swim for you, you can use any gizmos, any adaptations you want. There's no restrictions on how to compete. So you get people with quite profound disabilities turning up. And because when you have a disability like that, it can be quite isolating. You know, you can't access certain things. So you may think you're the only person in the world who has that disability. And suddenly you see a whole field full of people using the same walker as you, using the same adapted trike as you, or walking or wheeling in the same way as you, and suddenly you realise you're not alone. So for the people taking part, this little lad said, look, there are other people just like me, mummy. And that look on his face to suddenly realise that he wasn't I don't want to use the word freak, but he, he felt different. And suddenly he didn't feel different anymore. He found his people. And then for the parents as well, you know, it's really tough raising a child with a disability because everything's hard and you, you sometimes have to reinvent the wheel every single time. But you see the parents talking to each other and go, oh, that's how you managed X or that's how you managed to get it into school Y or that's how you deal with you know, mobility. You know, just hearing the kind of the bringing together of minds to solve the same problems which other people have found solutions to is so beautiful. And you can see the parents' faces just going, oh, this is lovely to have so many people in the same place who have the same issues and who understand and who get where we're coming from. That's, love that's that. so good. And that also leads us into question number three so perfectly. I'm sitting here reading the card as you were saying that. And, and that's so question number three is the seven of hearts. And the exact question is, what or why are you comfortable with your disability? Oh, I love the fact it's the seven of hearts too. I feel really comfortable having a disability because I feel, or an impairment, because it's opened up a new way of thinking for me. It's made me realise that I had put huge limits on myself and then onto the world. And I realised that if you make a little mental list of all the things that you feel you can't do and then tear it up and then just see where the world takes you, that's a really exciting thing to be able to do. And that's what having a disability has taught me. It's taught me that you may feel like your hand has been dealt and that everything's the same, but if you have to do something differently, you can. And it's a really, it's a big lesson to learn, to realise that you are in charge of what you are. And if you want to be defined by having a disability or an impairment, then you may find that you close the doors to opportunities. Whereas if you go, this impairment or this disability has given me the option or the opportunity to look at life differently, then that's where the magic happens. That's where you can really grow as a, as a person or get these amazing new opportunities and experiences. I'm just loving sitting here listening to all this right now. This is great. I'm hoping the listeners love it too. 
Oh, like I'm with you, James. It was definitely something that you, the way that you just wrapped that up is 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 perfect. Like, there's no reason you can say no to anyone. It's just look at things differently. Employers need to look at things differently. Sports and and super try series and all that. It's just there's no way that you can't do something. You just got to be able to make it happen and and be there and do it. But sometimes it makes it even better. So lots of disabilities are invisible, which can be tough for the person who's dealing with that because they're expected to navigate on the roadmap that the world's given them. But what if that roadmap just doesn't work for them? And that can make you feel really, you know, quite intimidated and hard on yourself and feel like you're failing over and over and over again if you can't stick to the normal roadmap. Whereas my daughter, she's actually got ADHD and for the longest time she would mask, she would try and hide it. And then she suddenly realised that she had these amazing superpowers. You know, if you want an idea, go to Jess because she off the top of her head give you 10 different options all completely unrelated to any problem you have all these solutions just keep coming up so her boss actually when he wants to know something or has a problem he will call her up and say I don't have time for a meeting with 10 people so I need you Jess just give me the answers so I think the other thing to remember is that just because you have a disability you don't be satisfied with getting up to level playing field you actually have superpowers you know whatever your disability has taken away from you it gives back as well so you know if you like I said before sometimes with a disability you have to be very creative in how you overcome problems creative problem solving is a massive a massive thing that people are looking for or if you have autism I know that lots of people with autism are incredibly gifted when it comes to mathematical or tech problems but if you put lots of people in the office they, they really struggle. So how can you make an environment that enables rather than disables? Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm a big believer that it's the environment that creates yeah. disability. The, the, the village at the Paralympics in Rio was incredible because it was designed specifically to allow everybody to be independent. And looking around, you could not tell who was disabled and who wasn't because everybody could go everywhere. So no one was disabled. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if the world was like this so that people didn't have to rely on someone else to open a door someone didn't have to rely on getting their food off a counter because it's too high for them to reach wouldn't it be great if people could open a door because it was electric and they didn't have to struggle to enter or exit a building I mean it's just little things that make such a difference for people that just reminded me of you may have read this Ken there was an article that a mate of mine actually wrote back on the coast a local journalist wrote an article and he quoted Stephen Elliott and Hannah Dodd from back on the Sunshine Coast. And he was asking them about what it's like living together. And they, I'll, I'll see if we can find the article. I'll put it on our socials. They quoted saying that it, it just felt that together they're in a relationship. Steve has a neurological disease that affected his spinal neuro, neurological control, I believe. And then Hannah has a spinal injury, high spinal injury, I believe. I'm 99.9% sure yeah. both got spinal cord injuries from so either trauma or, yeah. or neurological conditions. But yeah, they are both got spinal injuries and play wheelchair basketball. You know what's weird? Like I've known them for so long and I've never actually asked them. I've never like, known, but I've never needed to either. But the thing was that they said that it was the comforts of not having to share or not having to explain to one another what their routines are in, in, in the bathroom, whether it be whether it be the bowel, showering or whatever it might be. They just didn't have to mm. explain that. So it's not only like the environment and having electronic doors or ramps or what this, but also that, that social fear or that social acknowledgement of I'm not different. I don't have to explain something to you. Mm. You're already aware. Um, and I just, I just feel like 
there needs to be more awareness. As yeah, well. like yeah. One of my um, friends who's a wheelchair user, she said the wheelchair is the easy thing. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you've no idea what goes on behind the scenes with catheterization, with you know all kinds of things like pressure sword healing, or you know, unless more conversations happen we just don't even know that these things are an issue to people who are wheelchair users that's pure gold it, it is exactly as you said like a wheelchair is the easiest part of it um, but it is the most recognizable part and it is also the most recognized uh, element of i guess you could say disability everyone sees a wheelchair and goes oh that person's disabled you know our logo is a sports wheelchair a lot of people think that it's a cycling bike but that's why we also went down that direction was because it is so recognizable but no one actually sees the difficulties on the back end of a wheelchair that yeah the wheelchair is the easiest part people don't know how we met oh yes yeah you never got into that story how did you guys meet well, listeners, Cameron, thanks for hanging about for this story. This is going to fill your day with joy. Look, super random. To make it really, really short, as short as possible, I had a connection over here in the UK with family relatives, second removed somehow. I'm not really too sure of myself, really. But anyway, my mum was in contact with family relatives and she passed on the tickets that she had purchased to watch the games. She wasn't able to make it, unfortunately. And then that family member also wasn't able to make it. So they went next door and said, hey, do you guys want to go and watch the Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup? Like, we've got a family family member, relative playing, and if you're free, here's some tickets. And that person was Anne and Simon. And so they came along. And I get this text from the family member that I have, I met when I was maybe like six and have really no personal connection realistically at, the, at this time. And I'm, and they're like, oh, look, like we've got our neighbours coming, Anne and Simon, Anne's a Paralympian, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, wow, like sick. Like, okay, cool. Like, this is sensational. And so then after the game, I'm searching around and I just heard this, uh, I heard like a bit of a bit of a yell from the crowd, James. I'm like, I'm sort of like have my ear out for like someone that knows me, but doesn't know me. And I'm just searching the crowd as to like, because I'm at this point, I'm kind of thinking they have to know me. Like if they're watching the game, they would have heard James Hill, number four, you know, best player in the world. Um, <laughs> well, almost, almost. <laughs> almost. Almost the best player uh, yeah. in the world. <laughs> Thanks for grounding me. Thanks for grounding me. Uh, and so then after the game, I went up to Stan and met Anne and Simon and they, they watched the first game. Yeah. And then I caught up with Ellen, who is what would be my second cousin, who watched the second. And then you came and watched the semi-finals semi-finals up in Sheffield in yeah. Sheffield yeah. yeah so super random absolutely random but what a connection and we'd never seen wheelchair rugby league before but absolutely loved it it was just brilliant absolutely fantastic so we've clarified that you don't believe I'm the best player in the world but who do you think is <laughs> well we just we James Brown was just awesome oh, Jack, Jack, Brown. Jack Brown sorry Jack Brown oh please don't, right, don't, well, we don't Jack's gonna love this he, he's just back here in Australia I think he's come home to be a star in Australia he's a star in England everyone's still talking about Jack and I think Sebastian our, our last guest might be a little bit upset that one James your <laughs> he romance was, he was also up there you <laughs> better, up, yeah. better than him <laughs> and that, that uh, <laughs> Jack is still getting the accolades as, as the best here I mean look he's a what is it? What did you say? He's a long-time listener, first-time caller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. I loved that. But but yeah, and thank you so much for coming on board and taking the time out of your your day to come in and, and talk with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's uh, it's been sensational. Is there anything else that you any points that you wanted to share at the end, or anything that you feel that could inspire someone to do something they didn't think they could? I think we've touched on it through, but just to make sure that you're not focusing your attention on your reasons why not and just scribble it out in your head just 
get your eraser, take it all out and then just go, I can and see where it takes you. And A to B is a route that's quite boring and the route that everyone else expects you to take. But So don't take it. Go via C, D, E, F and G. Really, in your mind, don't think I'm going here because if you plan it, it probably won't happen anyway. And one of my mottos is you can never steer a stationary car. So as long as you're moving in a direction, doesn't matter what it is, you'll end up somewhere and that somewhere could be really exciting. So... Don't be limited by your disabilities. Absolutely go by your abilities and the scenic route is fine. Thanks for listening to this episode. We appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast, but most importantly, sharing it with people you think it will impact the most. Before we go, again, a massive thanks to our sponsor, the Sunco Spinners. The Sunco Spinners are a social wheelchair-based sporting club. They operate multiple programs for people of all ages and abilities in basketball, rugby, and more. Follow the Sunco Spinners on Facebook, Instagram, and find out more about them at sunkospinners.com.au. 